Are you sitting easy over there? Huh? Are you sitting easy over there? <laughs> uh, am I... Sitting easy. Yeah. Over there. Yeah. Forgive me. Okay. Shall we begin? Uh, uh, over the phone? You were saying... Well, you didn't actually say much over the phone. Oh, forgive me. I, I have this game. Have you read any Joyce Carol Oates? Joyce Carol Oates? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I read her. I'm, I mean, I wrote on her. You wrote on her? Yeah. We, we talked about this at my interview. Oh, yeah. You talked to me about this at the interview. Yeah. You've read her then? Yeah. Yeah, in some detail. Do you like yeah. her? Do you, do you like her work? I was, it was, yeah. It was <laughs> Marvelous, isn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, she's a marvel. A marvel, yes. Well said. She is a marvel with language, isn't she? Yep. She has veins rich with language. That's what I say. Mm, yeah. Wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Rich with the stuff. <laughs> rich with it, yes. It feels so effortless with her, doesn't it? So, so unstuttered. Is that a word? Unstuttered? Yes, unstuttered. I... Not that it matters if it is a word or not, as in an official word of the dictionary thereof. Unless you are a pedant, sir. <laughs> well, I'm no pedant, madam. <laughs> madam. Yeah? We have no titles here, Aaron. Here is unfettered ground. How do you like it? Ah, oh, enjoy the, uh, the informality. No, my living room, Aaron. What do you make of it? Do you like what I've done with it? Uh, yeah. I shouldn't have to ask that question, should I? Ah, uh, no, no, sorry. Uh, no, I should have said. No, <laughs> nonsense, no. I shouldn't have pushed you to say. I should have had the patience to let you tell me in your own time. Well, I, I was getting to it. Or, better still, I should have had the grace and the self-esteem to think not about whether you mentioned it at all, because now we are at an impasse, aren't we? Are we? Yes. Oh, yes. Why so? Well, I had to pry it from you, didn't I? I had to yank your mouth open with both hands in order to get you to confess that you admired my skills as an interior decorator. And it hasn't escaped my mind that you could have been lying when I asked you. Oh, no, no, but I wasn't, really. I, I like what you've done with the place. What do you like about it? Oh, well, it's, uh, it's very scandy. Very, uh... Scandy? Well, you know, such is the fashion. What's the fashion? Very white. In a nice way. There's such a thing as a good lie and a bad lie. Don't you think? Yeah. Do you like the novels of Joyce Carol Oates? Yeah. Of a rainy day lying in bed with your wife? I don't have a wife. Oh, whatever you call her. <laughs> there is no her. <laughs> then why are you wearing a wedding ring? Well, I am married. Oh, fuck, did she die? Uh, no, no, I married a man. I have a husband. Oh, well, goodness gracious. How very cosmopolitan of you. <laughs> he also enjoys Joyce Carol Oates. Who doesn't? I have this game, you see. Oh, do you want some wine? I brought us up a bottle of Albarino. Lovely, brisk, fruity taste. Grapes of Portugal. I insist you try some. Would you like some? Uh, yeah, sure, please. Would you like to sniff it first? Uh, no, 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 I trust you. Good. I trust you, too. When you said that thing about you liking the interior of my living room, I want you to know that I trusted you when you said it. 
What's your husband's name? Mike. A good sharp name. What does Mike do? He uh, works for the treasury. A good sharp proper career. Is he handsome? Yeah, I like to think so. Would I think so? <laughs> he grew on me. Hmm. Then I'm sure he'll grow on me too. You must bring him round sometime. We can talk about the great American... I have this game, you see, where I pretend to enter a room as if I am... I haven't poured you out the wine. Did you say yes to the wine? Uh, yeah, yes. Cheers. Cheers. You didn't mention on the phone... I'm sorry that I forgot you were married to... No, I'm sure you've mentioned it. Oh, no, it's okay. I mean, uh... Does that happen often? Nah, sometimes. Sometimes, eh? Sometimes some old thing is quizzing you about your pretty girl at home and you have to say, <laughs> yeah. what do you say? Uh, well, usually they're related to me, so I just say... Fuck off? Yeah, <laughs> or something like that. Fuck off, Aunt Sue! <laughs> Are any of your aunts called Sue? <laughs> no. That's a shame. I imagine that all Midwestern ants are called Sue. I have this game, you see, where I pretend that I'm a kind of Midwestern ant. Did you like the wine? Oh, yeah. No, sorry. Yeah, it's lovely. You think so? Yeah. And you're not lying, like you were with the interior decorating remark earlier? No. Good. It's crisp, isn't it? Fruity, but crisp. Mm. And it doesn't linger too long on the palate. It's not an indulgent taste. It's there on the tongue. And then it's gone. <laughs> wine for people who don't like wine. I was saying on the phone, you didn't really mention why you wanted me to come. Yes, well, I don't really like phones. You said it was a work thing. It is a work thing. I wasn't sure if I needed to bring anything or... Only a young, inquiring mind. Something happened. Oh, yes. With Crawley. What makes you say that? Uh, nothing. No, go on. I just... You know... Assume I don't know. The people talking at the office, you know it is. Archie at the water cooler, he tells me stuff that he's heard. What stuff? Well, that Crawley's unwell. Quite seriously unwell. And what's the diagnosis at the water cooler? That she won't be returning any moment soon. Any moment soon, indeed. Is it true? Do you trust Archie? Half the time, what he tells me turns out to be kind of true. Ah, but... Kind of true, sort of true, but not actually true, right? <laughs> yeah. It may have a skeleton of something true. Yeah, he, you know. Bullshits. He... He's a bullshitter. Yeah. Do you go in for bullshit, Aaron? Not if I can avoid it. So what do you think happened to Crawley? Oh, I wouldn't speculate about his superior's medical history. Why is that? Would it be improper? And you like to be proper, do you, Aaron? <laughs> it's in my blood. You know, my roots. Your homegrown Midwestern roots. I have this game, you see, where I pretend that I'm some kind of proper Midwestern aunt. And I come into a room and put on this voice and say, You sitting easy over there? And I hope that the other person gets what I'm going for and replies with something like, a Yes, ma'am, or a Yes, Aunt Sue, or something very much along those lines. Were you hoping I'd do that? Rather naively, yes. Ah, uh, sorry. I, I didn't get that you were going for that. <laughs> That's all right. Perhaps I was being a bit opaque. Uh, well, if you came in again and did that again, I'd definitely reply as you wanted me to reply. You would? Yeah. Oh, Aaron, that is sweet of you. You're a darling. All right, all right. 
I think I'll come in again. Are you sitting easy over there? Uh, uh, damn right I am, Annie Sue. And how's a lovely Mike? Oh, well. Getting more handsome by the day, I hope. Mm, not quite as handsome as this living room. Oh, well, aren't you a darling dear? You can come back anytime. What do you make of the wine? Oh, uh, tastes like the beginning of summer. Oh, what a lovely way of putting it. Mm, I have a rich vein of language. Oh, I remember from your interview. You studied them all. Mm, Oates, Keats, uh, the other one with the beard. Upton Sinclair? Nah, he was clean shaven. Oh, well, now I feel like a cunt. Oh. Do you like jazz? Uh, I'm impartial to a bit on a Friday evening. Chet Baker? Mm, the maestro. The sensei? Oh, consider me king. Would you dance to it at your wedding day? I've had my wedding day. How was it? Officious. What did you dance to? Our first song, you mean? Bingo. Dream a little dream. Huh. Birds underneath the sycamore Singing tree. Singing in the sycamore tree. Dream a little dream of me. Oh, sounds lovely. I bet all your relatives from the Midwest were weeping as you took your first steps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. I'll bet. You didn't mention on the phone. It's a work thing. This is a work thing. What else would you be here for? Office bonding. We're not teachers, Aaron. This is a job interview. I've had my job interview. I'm sure you remember it. I bored you about Joyce Carol Oates. You did. I remember. But that's cursory. Three-month process. Nothing like getting in the ring. I've been at the company... 18 months. That's not being in the ring enough? I'm meticulous. How'd you feel about muckraking? Seriously? How do you feel about grabbing a corporate vice president by the collar and telling him you know where his dick has been? I didn't know my job would involve muckraking. Wait until I tell you what your job is. Well, what's the job? Crawley. Crawley's job? Not exactly. Not exactly. She's quite unwell. What's wrong with her? I couldn't possibly tell you. Has something happened? That might be confidential. Well, is it confidential? Don't push me. I'm sorry. Shall we start again? Sure. Are you sitting easy over there? I damn sure am, goddamn Aunt Pam. How's gorgeous Mike? Oh, uh, almost as fuckable as this chair. Aren't you a sweet blossom? Come back again. Come back tomorrow. I'll bring gorgeous Mike and we can drink all your gorgeous wine. Tastes like the first morning in a Manhattan July. Oh, I've heard it said. Or like the winsome voice of a young Chet Baker. Oh, I've seen it read. You've seen many things read. I'm something of a sensei of the written word. You know who I call the sensei? Mm, is it John Coltrane? Ella Fitzgerald? Oh! <gasps> Louis Armstrong. Close, but no Crawley. Mm, you see, I thought it must have been something to do with Crawley, but you didn't mention anything about it on the phone. No, well, I don't much like phones. They frighten me. There's a horror to me about them. The disembodied voice that croaks on the other side. It makes me sick to think that there's, there's such a danger to it. My grandma had this story. She would tell us about a friend of hers who lived on her own, another old lady in a schemer, and she would... Start to get phone calls, strange phone calls from an anonymous number, a, a ghost on the line who would say, Expectama storminum. That was it. Every day. At random hours, each day, sometimes in the dead of a night, sometimes at that lazy point in the afternoon where the clock face is just insisting it's three o'clock forever. Not even as a threat, just as a newsreader would say that an actor had died. But every day, this call would be made until, well, 
uh, until the dreaded day. When she died, you mean? Yes. Well, how did she die? Well, who gives a fart? That's not what the story's about. So no one killed her? I don't know. You'd have to ask my grandma. Well, did she tell the police that someone was contacting her with death threats? Not death threats, Aaron. Death reminders. Although it also may have just been a very academic take on the prank call. <laughs> but that wasn't the point of me telling you that. The point I was trying to get across was that it feels dangerous to be talking to someone on the phone when you can't see their face. Were you expecting someone? No. Is Crawley getting death threats? If she is, then she hasn't hired me for the security detail. Is she leaving the firm? Mm, speculation says so. Is that why you invited me here? <laughs> Million dollar question. Are you expecting someone? Yes. I thought you said this was a job interview. This is a job interview. Heading that way. What are they marching about? Dunno. Couldn't see from the car. Good evening. Aaron, nice to see you. Did you drive here? Nah. Grabbed a cab in the end. My license got clipped. How come? Well, it's all a bit of a silliness, if you ask me. A very right bit of a silliness. But I am now no longer permitted to be on the road. What did you do? I hit a child, Aaron. A four-year-old child. What? Plowed straight through him like I was the Marquis Saint-Evremonde. I hope you tip the parents. Oh, happily. I didn't even send them a receipt for the windshield. They don't make gentlemen like you anymore, Archie. No, we are a dying breed. What actually happened? I was betrayed by my own breath, Aaron, if you can believe it. I was at a cocktail bar with a very nice young lady. I drove her home after a little bit too much vermouth, and next thing you know, I've got a doughy policeman on my tail wanting to see my license. Who's your young lady friend? All right, Auntie Sue. How over the limit were you? Not enough that I would do anything more dangerous than I would if I was late to work. Right. I was just slightly more brazen about the whole changing lanes thing. Are you courting a young lady, Archie? Well, I am a man in my prime, Joanna. I can hardly spend my days reading old leather-bound novels like yourself. Is she a young lady with prospects? She's a geologist. So the jury's out. I'm not in it for the money, Joe. She's rather lovely. She's a co-ed. She's a grad student. We're the same age. What's her name? Oh, I'm sure she's told me. You don't remember. I want to say Mika, but, but that's Aaron's chap. Mike. Lovely Mike. How is Mike? Yeah, he's fine, thanks. Good. That is good. And how long have you and this grad student been dating? Oh, for a few weeks now. Zoe. Zoe and I, we met at a bar where I was trying to pick up some co-eds. Ended up chatting to her about rocks and shit. But you dropped her home after the first date. So that's something. Well, it's not nothing, Joe. I am chivalrous at heart, and these are dark times after all. People are marching. Indeed. Marching for something. You didn't get a look at any banners? No, although my driver said it was probably something about the oceans. Oh, well, I was reading something earlier about a planned protest. Sounded smaller scale, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was a march against Echo. Oh, Echo. You've not read this? No. The Echo March. 
I've not read any mention about it. That's a local thing. What's caused it this time? Would you like some wine, Archie? What are we drinking? Albarino. Ooh, lovely. Fruits of Portugal. I never say no to a drop of wine. It was third page of the post this morning. Must have skipped past it. Give me the pricey. I've just given you the pricey. There's a local march. A community leader has organized a demonstration against Echo. The locals are riled again. Exactly. Well, what riled them? Well, the man who died in the warehouse. The guy with the bad ticker? Yeah. If you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. That's what I say. Actually, I don't say that. Do you know who said that? <laughs> Try grabbing the megaphone and saying that. Who first said, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen? Ah, oh, one of your pop quizzes. What fun. I'll give you a clue. He sat in an office that was conspicuously round and had several windows. Richard Nixon. Nope. Not Tricky Dick. Try again. Uh, tell me. Relieve me of this tension. Harry S. Truman, best hung president in the history of your country. Metaphorically, of course. He probably packed a prune. But you didn't see the Echo March? No. Too many students and hippies out in the crowd. It was definitely about the planet. And Zoe wasn't amongst the rabble. Mm. Oh, that's a thought. She might well have been, actually. No, she, 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 she's, you know, passionate about that sort of thing. It's, it's one of her many charms. You like this one, huh? Yeah, she's pretty. Pretty nice. And she's from Colorado, so we can maybe go skiing there and meet some mountain wildlife. You're beginning to thaw, young man. Also, terrific bottom. Is that appropriate? No, it isn't. I apologise. So you don't have a licence? I do not have a car, sweet one. I am a man without a vehicle, a rider without his mechanical horse, a Texan eunuch, a walker amongst the wheels. How long for? Nine months. All because of sodding old chivalry. That accounts for my lateness, anyway. What were you two cats talking about while I was indisposed? Oh, we were playing dead. Now you've arrived, however, I suppose the game has moved to that of inertia. Is inertia a parlor game? Depends how you play it. Talking about crawly? Creepy crawly. Mm, the very same. Mm. Creepy crawly, colon, cause for concern. And what did we learn? We learned to tread lightly. Delicate area, eh? Mm, apparently so. Gotcha. She's very unwell. She's been crippled by the city air. Too much pollution? She needed to clean her lungs. You understand? I understand. I don't understand. She's going to the country, Aaron. She has a little blue house on the hill that she saved for retirement. She's retiring? By mutual agreement. Was she part of the mutual agreement? Regretfully, she wasn't there when the agreement took place, but she understands that it's the best thing for her. Time comes for all of us. And last week, it came for her. Well, I for one have no further questions. Her desk hasn't been cleared. We've got a few things to hammer out. Dare I ask? Are you expecting a call? You sitting easy over there? I love what you've done with the place, Joe. Thank you, darling. And this wine, fucking hell. Oh, eh? stop it. Tastes like a lazy Tuesday in Santa Barbara. You think so? Oh, like the lick of cool water in relentless sunshine. 
best of three. Or like the... Or like the pink clouds that gather at the end of spring. Or like the feel of your feet in the dew and the grass. Mm, or like a soft phrase that urges the glimpse of a dream. Or like your partner's hot semen piping straight to the roof of your mouth. Is that appropriate? Is it far? I didn't know you knew the taste. I went to boarding school, darling. It's as familiar as tomato soup. Do you have a song, Archie? You buy a bag of peanuts in this town, you get a song written about you. No, <laughs> a romantic song. A romantic song I carry with me? Yes. No, no, I did not. Mike and Aaron have a song. <sighs> Everyone in love gets a song. It's just a song that we both liked. Dream a little dream of me. No, smash it. Yeah, it's one of Mike's favorites. Birds underneath the sycamore Singing tree. in the sycamore tree. Dream a little dream of me. How wonderful it must be to have your own love song. Did you dance to it on your wedding day? Well, as it happens, yeah, we did. In a tight little three-step. Mm, we had lessons. Smash. Yeah. Something eating you, friend? No, not particularly. What is it about me, do you think, that makes Aaron get so hunched in his shoulders whenever I'm around? <laughs> oh, when you're speaking, Archie. When you, when you speak to me, it's like there's something crawling at my back. Don't be deceived. It's just a warm hand of friendship. Who's the breadwinner? I am. You like that, don't you? It sits comfortably with me, yeah. You're new to it. I can see that. New to what? Having money. I can see it. It's in the way you carry your pockets. You're not used to their weight, and you sit oddly because of it. I'm waiting. What for? No, please. Continue. I'm spent. Where was the ceremony? Uh, out of town. How far out of town? Wisconsin. A golf course in Madison. We had the ceremony, and then a brunch. What was served with the brunch? Scrambled eggs and salmon, waffles, pancakes, the works. Did they serve lemon with the salmon? Yeah, pinch of lemon juice. That's good. How did they prepare the eggs? Uh, they used a bain-marie. French style. Nice. Mm, it produces a richer, more velvety flavor. Did they sprinkle a little salt with the egg? No, no, it's bad for the egg. B bad for the egg? Yeah, yeah, it's not good for the egg. Why isn't it good for the egg? It just isn't, all right? Any milk or cream? A spoonful of creme fraiche to taste. Thickens the egg. Pepper at the end? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a sprinkling of dill. Dill? Yeah. That's not right. Well, it was out of my hands. Dill doesn't complement the egg. Hmm? I thought it complemented the egg perfectly. Then you know nothing about eggs. <laughs> I know how I like my eggs, Joanna. And I didn't hear any guests complaining, so. Why a golf course? It, uh, it meant a lot to Mike's father. He used to play there, but he's diabetic and he lost his foot. Did he eat the eggs? Yeah, it was all he could eat. He must have been very moved by the ceremony. Yeah. No, yeah, he did. He must have. <sighs> okay, I'm spent. Something eating you, Joe. Scrambled eggs and dill. 
It's just savage to me. And it's the last bastion of our moral sensibilities, Joe. Our Aaron here is to be applauded. Do you envy him, young man? Envy him? Not even slightly. But my admiration for him confounds all reason. I could not do as he has done. I wouldn't even consider it. But he lifted himself towards the altar and allowed his life to be plumped by one firm moment of decision. And that is courage. You and I can talk of late night encounters and wine by the glass, and that's fine. But it isn't what's best for us or for anyone. We shall become spinsters and old farmers while Aaron here will sit happily in Wisconsin. Mutually enforced retirement. It's Crawley's time. After what, 25 years? She was seen as something of a relic. By whom? The people who matter. They wanted someone younger manning her desk. And so... And so... What Crawley's pushed out, you move up. I always liked her office. It's bigger, the view's nicer, and I get my own parking space. Well, cheers to that. My portfolio is being expanded. And I need someone. What for? A special task in Texas. Private plane, then a stake. I should say, Aaron, that our dear deceased friend that the people are marching for... Roger Aguirre's. Dear Roger, did not die on the floor of an Echo warehouse. That's what I read. Well, may I correct the record? He fell unconscious on the warehouse floor because of an undiagnosed heart condition. He was discovered within minutes... Five minutes. Within minutes, after which an ambulance was swiftly called. He died days later... A day later. Over a day later. There is no evidence that Echo showed any neglect to their employee. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there isn't. Echo's HQ is in Texas, isn't it? Right in the heart of El Paso. Have you been flown out there yourself? Mm, once or twice. They know me out there. Who are you sitting down with? Denny Isaacs, the prodigal son. He thinks Echo needs some critical care before the state of Oklahoma filed their next suit. I've flown private before. Chile's Brazil when I was 18. My girlfriend was in Iguazu. She was a photographer. Well, she wanted to be. Echo or in a vice. And they need pushback. We're their last frontier. Well, this press about the warehouse chap. Roger Aguirres. Yes, Mr. Aguirres. That's not going to make things any smoother for them. Denny and I have had many a conversation, with Crawley facilitating, of course, about how we can increase accountability measures for their warehouse employees. They're putting in restroom centers. Any employee who feels too short of breath, like a lay-by on a freeway for foldering motors. That was my idea. Crawley asked me to write a... A what? Well, compile, not write. Compile a report. Exactly what sort of consultation is Denny Isaac seeking? It's complicated. Because if it's about an Oklahoma lawsuit, we're a busted lawnmower, you know that. It's complicated. But in broader terms, things need tidying. The Aguirre's thing, the local marches, it's causing an internal problem, you understand? A few warehouse folk are beginning to organize. Denny wants them to reconsider. Which makes me wonder, Aaron, how'd you feel about muckraking? Against some people in a warehouse. It's growing. They've got a VP who's threatening to walk out about Aguirre's. A fucking VP. There's an internal rot. We need to quietly... Clear out the dissenters. Listen, Joe, boss, that's a piece of cake for me. I mean, that's a slice of carrot cake for me. I can eat that. That's what that saying means, isn't it? That, that a task is very edible. 
Don't think calling me boss suddenly gets you on the plane to Texas. Uh, I'm also here, aren't you? Yeah, I've caught you in my peripheral vision a fair few times. Everything's panning out to me. How do you mean? On the phone, Joe told me she needed help with a decision. Well, I've, I've compiled stuff on Echo before, you know. I'm, it was a research task. Yes, I know. So I know about them. You know about their lineage? Yeah. Their lineage? Yeah, they're a dynasty. A proper dynasty. You know, the Isaacs. A proper American family of money. And they're keeping it in the family. They own majority shares. Denny just took the reins from his old man, who's come down with some brain trouble and thinks he's Charlton Heston. There is nothing more glorious to me than an American family with money. In Britain, we've had to have French, Germans, a few Dutch, even a Spaniard, all ferried in to keep our royalty going. Whereas over here, you don't even have any inbreds. I mean, the system works. This is what I'm trying to say, Joe. To conclude my slightly wandering pitch, if you send me out there, which, I mean, you will, I'm... They won't fear the end of a lineage with me because they'll hear my voice and remember that where I'm from, we take millions from everyone to pay for an old woman to have a nice house. Yeah, I offer more than just an accent, Joe. Go on. What? I'm waiting. I knew it. It was a climate march, not a demonstration against Echo. Zoe's out there. Yeah. Look, she's out there, holding up a placard to save us all. I doubt there's enough anger in the city to trigger a proper march against Echo. Her geology friends have dragged her out. It's not, you know, it's not what she'd usually be doing on a night like this. What would she usually be doing on a night like this? I don't know. Studying? Going to a dive bar? What do students do these days apart from talk and masturbate? (laughs) Well... What else do you do if you have no money? Ah, well, some of them are just pretending to have no money. Most of them, in fact. I certainly did. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure all of your friends could charter private planes. Well, not all of them had girlfriends living in Iguazu. And what was she doing in Iguazu? She was, you know, a spiritual one. Her mother was in the Bilderberg group. She wanted to change her surname. She fled to Iguazu. Mm, Tale as old as time. Didn't last that long. It was a first love. It was one private plane. Let's not torture ourselves about how we seek the things we like. I'm more self-made than Denny Isaacs. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a philosophy major. Is he? If Ayn Rand counts as a philosopher, then yes. Where did he go? As in, where did he study? Yes. Uh, Yale, I think. And is he smart enough to have gone to Yale? Christ, no. But he was a valuable addition to their lacrosse team, so all evens out. Do you like your Ayn Rand friend? It's hard to be objective about objectivism. I'm trying to picture you in Texas, sitting opposite Denny Isaacs, him spewing his mouth off about Ayn Rand, you chewing on your steak. Do you even eat red meat? On occasion. I'll bet he orders two medium-rare steaks to the table, nice and bloody. Do you think the conversation will just flow between the two of you? Mm, Well, I can be very personable when it's required. I don't doubt it, Mr. Malleable. You can thrill him with stories about your wedding in Wisconsin. That's if you remember to keep the ring on. What did you major in, Archie? Literature? Human, social and political sciences. And I also gave my Richard II. Warmly received, I'm sure. Varsity said I was overly butch. I should have been doing history, really. Cecil Rhodes playing chess for a continent. Palmerston busting his last nut, playing billiards, that sort of thing. That's really where I shine. But there was something, when I was younger at least, that seemed striking about trying to be present about everything. Also, all the characters I met were drama freaks, you know, that's where you found the live wires. 
My freshman year, there was this senior student who ran the main society. He was another chancer in disguise. Turns out that his family invented the kettle chip or something like that. But he hid that in a sort of Falstaffian cloak. And he said to me very drunkenly that he thought that all theatre was a leper's game. He despised it. Celluloid, you beauty. That's what he said. Celluloid is the winning ticket. It's muscular. All plays are just thinkers or bloodbaths, and the only bridge between them is the dancing. So we would gather in his halls. He lived on campus, you see. And he would show me old prints of Pasolini and Ken Russell and then Louis Bunel, the exterminating angel, and Chien Andalou. He pushed me to consume and enjoy the things that should have repelled me. I forget where I was going with this. Celluloid? Celluloid, you beauty. My old stomping ground. Is that right? Oh, yes. I used to be a runner when I was 17, 18. It's how I made some holiday cash. My aunt got a bit of her name in the biz. Oh, what's her field? She was a producer at Miramax. Now she's moved to TV. Miramax? A necessary evil. She got me into many a different party back in the day. There would always be a dinner and there would always be a party. What? I'll bite. Who did you meet? You want me to list names? No, just, you know, it's a bit of gossip. Everyone's on something or in the closet or both. That's pretty much it. I wish I could say something more interesting. Oh, don't be coy, Joe. No, truthfully, it's not a real place. When I got there, I met a child actor who was making it big, and it turned out he was living in a block built specially for child actors. They just feed these kids into the machine. Working there was like working at Disneyland. Only better money. Yes, much better money for sure, but still, the feeling of coming too close to something best admired from afar. You're really not selling these parties. I mean, where are the divas, the antics? Where's the sex? Well, it was all there. Just from other people. You know, the others. The people on the side. You don't meet that many proper stars. You just meet their friends or their cousins or the people who've only had two lines in a cop show who are there trying to boost their profile. The really famous ones would come in for 20 minutes and then go somewhere more exciting. Everyone's trying to be at the best party. It's madness, but it means you get to go to a lot of parties. Sometimes like four in a night because... There's some big guest everyone's trying to get close to. One time, there was a Miramax bash, and Henry Kissinger was the guest of honor. And I was permitted to go. I wasn't invited, I was just permitted. And for some reason, they'd commissioned statues of Kissinger, but ice statues. And Kissinger wasn't to arrive until after 10. And he was to be the last to arrive, which meant that everyone else was scrambling to be the penultimate guest. And everyone was arriving by different means from different directions. Because if you just walked in first, you'd look unexciting. It was such carefully created madness. People turning up looking like they hadn't been waiting around the corner until it was the right time. All so rehearsed. And it made no sense to me. Because it was fucking Miramax. It was prestige, independent film, so all the guests were shiny liberal gods, but they had nothing to say to Kissinger. I remember watching it all. I was watching it all from the sidelines, just getting through the champagne and volivans, thinking, 
hold on, you know, hold on. Don't we know exactly who this guy is and exactly what this guy has done? All of Vietnam was within my aunt's lifetime. And yet she invited him. And all these liberal pacifists were there. They all knew. Everyone basically knows, but he's just out there. And we see it over and over again. He'll be being interviewed. And you'll watch and think, that's fucking Kissinger. How are we not going for him now? Why are we so good to him now? It makes no sense. It made no sense to me that night. Perhaps it didn't have to. We're all want to writhe in pig shit. We all end up getting invited to the same parties. Same thing. What is it Gore Vidal said? Washington is Hollywood for ugly people. Mm, what was it that William F. Buckley Jr. once said? I'll suck you, you queer. The slow decline of the intellectual struggle, my dear. That hidden knowledge that it's just easier with fists. Mm, Gore Vidal never had to resort to that. Norman Mailer finds him at a party and thumps him to the ground and he gets up and says... Once again, words fail, Norman Mayer. Mm, so you see? Yeah, but he was a different breed. How so? Oh, who cares? What was it that made you quit Hollywood then? Sunstroke? Miramax? Kissinger on ice? It's unappetizing. Too sordid, too sodden. Too much trickery with lipstick, and I have no stomach for blow. But they can't cope with laxatives, so maybe everyone at the Kissinger do was just trying not to shit themselves. <laughs> He came to speak at the Cambridge Union during my time. Is that right? Jabber the Hutt himself. He spoke for over an hour. Christ knows what about, but we all gave him a standing ovation at the end. It's funny. What you were saying earlier about, um, Pasolini? Because when I was working with my aunt, she had a meeting with this screenwriter. Very illustrious, very much his moment at that time. And he was trying to sell his passion project which was Salo, a hundred days of Sodom, but without the blood, the nudity, and all the shit. He wanted a film of U.S. soldiers playing cards right at the end of the Vietnam War. That's, some um, that's desensitization, isn't it? I mean, that's what that pitch was about. Desensitization? Things repeated until they mean nothing. I know what the word means. I'm asking you why you think that's what the pitch was about. Well, because... Well, if Salo was the sick, unwatchable thing, you can't make a more unwatchable thing now, can you? I mean, society's changed tack. We're not so into nausea nowadays. We've seen the real thing now as serial killers and scat porn, so we don't need the shock grain of the 70s to make us feel awake. I don't think the pitch was about desensitization. I think it was just subtext. The subtext of the Vietnam War. That's European folly that would never sell in Hollywood. My aunt's words exactly. Subtext is bollocks. Stops people from getting the bones of the thing. <laughs> How else would you frame the Vietnam War? Well, ask Francis Ford Coppola or Oliver Stone. Glorious films. Uh, yeah, glorious films, but the thing itself wasn't glorious. It was confusing. It was tedious. It was happening at a distance, as so much of history is. So much of live history. Anyway, it feels like it's happening in lots of other rooms far away, and we're just eavesdropping and trying to make sense of what we can. How funny. Well, it never got greenlit anyway. No, sorry. Zoe sent me a news thing about the Echo demonstration. It's not just an Echo demonstration. It's a march for Roger Aguirrez. Whatever. Well, they managed to get more media attention anyway. Where are they marching? Huh? Where are they marching? I think it was starting in Washington Highlands. Is that even in the city? He's right. They're marching from Barry Farm. 
All because of one undiagnosed heart condition? Yes. Well, I imagine it'll be shut down before they reach the bridges. I need to take a piss. It's door on your right. Gotcha. Million dollar question. Yes? How am I doing? You tell me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, uh... Don't apologize. Tell me something, okay? S speak to me honestly for a moment. What about? Whatever this is. Are you watching me? Provoking me? Squeezing me like a toothpaste? I'm captivated by you. That's the honest truth. <sighs> no, you're not. I am. I see something very beautiful in you, Aaron. Broadly, and I'm not too philosophical, not to the point of terror. But I've come to understand that the world is split between preservers and destroyers. Both are instinctively aesthetic, and both, I find, see beauty in the same place. So a rose, think of a rose in a garden, and think of the destroyer seeing the rose and going to the ground and picking that rose from the ground. And think of the preserver coming to that garden and seeing the same rose and leaving it to grow. These statements, however disparate, are quite sumptuous when you put them side by side. The importance is we have as many preservers as destroyers, or else the world is only roses, or it's only barren land. I've worked with destroyers for ten years, in three different worlds. And then you came in for interview. And you were a preserver. Not just a preserver, but from that meek stock of which we draw our most desperate and our most terrifying. I am a preserver too. Although I've learned to sometimes take the rose to save the garden. Knowing full well that a destroyer might trample a garden while they claim to protect the rose. I want to take you with me, Aaron. I want us to keep the world in shape and order. But I need to know that you understand that sometimes we have to destroy. Does that answer your question? For God's sake, let us sit upon the sand and tell sad stories on the death of kings. You piss quickly. I do a lot of things quickly. Million dollar question. Yes. What happened to Crawley? You tell me. Well, I've been told she's unwell. I've been told it's a private matter. I've been told lots of innuendo and I have two theories. Theory one... She impulsively booked herself on a skiing holiday and broke her leg, and everyone is terribly embarrassed for her. Theory two... The thing about walking in the corridors of power, Archie, is that all the doors are only left slightly ajar. You can choose to see nothing. Theory two is that her conscience caught her up in the form of a crippling depression, and... And? And she did something a bit silly. And now she's quite unwell. Crawley doesn't ski. Speak to me honestly. It's a private matter, Archie. Good. We're in private. Neither myself or Aaron are about to be given her dirty laundry. Did Crawley ever permit you to attend one of her Washington parties? 
I'm sure I don't know what you mean. Yeah, you do. More gossip, Aaron. Gossip, rumor, soup. Pay no attention to it. Whatever Archie has told you. I haven't the faintest. What do you mean? Uh, not Archie. Not this time. Although it was at the water cooler. People stretch nonsense from nothing. I doubt you'd have heard anything that's true. Yet you know exactly what he's talking about. You're inferring that. I'm saying nothing. You're keeping stum, so to speak. <laughs> so to speak. Probably wise. You are taking her desk, after all. But not all her duties, I would suppose. What are you talking about? She facilitated for some Echo Board members. That's what I've heard. She facilitated. Rather regularly. At her house. She had a talent for finding kinda young... Okay. You get the drift? Where did you hear this? People trust me with information, Archie. I have a way of keeping them on side. I never traveled past Crowley's front gates. Because they were tightly shut? Because I never had the desire to try. But someone else managed to at the New York Times. They managed to get someone to squeal about it. She had a reporter calling her every minute of every day. She got so wound up about it all that she went to her garage, started the engine, and... You sitting easy over there? You know I am, partner. Alexa, play us something elegiac. I don't have an Alexa. Fuck, I should have brought my loot. Do you like the music of Chet Baker? Chet Baker's sensational. I get along without you very well. Of course I do. Can you listen to Chet Baker even when you're incapable of love? Who says I'm incapable of love? You are, by your own admission, not in love. No, I'm not. I guess I just haven't got around to it. And my theory is that a person capable of love is always sought of in love. Either in the present, or with the past, or with a trimmed artificial rendering of the past, like someone combing your hair, and you remember the gentleness of the brushstrokes. Alexa, play some songs about car crashes. Well, I am capable. I know that much. I may not trust the instinct, although that's more of a linguistic gripe. I trust what is more inherently transactional, but everyone, I suppose, would prefer to have the clarity of knowing what their worth will be when the relationship or love affair comes to an end. You must have felt dizzy at your wedding. Dizzy? Dizzy in love. Forgive me, I seem to have fallen out of character. And who did you come as this evening? The aversion to your crisis. Denny Isaac's private plane stake. Denny Isaac's private plane stake. I've read your report. Which version? How many versions are there? Well, I drew one up for Crawley that she didn't take to at all. To, I don't know, political. So I revised it. And come to think of it, she didn't much like the second revision either. Thought it was too vague. I read the one that sat on her desk. Her desk about to be cleared? Her desk about to be cleared. I read that one. And I must say it was clearly written by someone who didn't give a fuck about Echo. Is that right? Yes. You weren't interested in the company at all. Only in the allegations. But what's more important, Joanna, is that I know what the assignment is. 
I know why Crawley was out there and why you were out there. You're the intimidators. You're the ones who come in, put the more morally-minded execs in the line, clear out the unhappy warehouse lot. You make people afraid. That's what you're good at. Crawley was good at that too, but you're even better at it. And you're looking for that in your successor. And doesn't that make you squeamish? Squeamish? Daddy Isaacs, whatever his name is. William. William, sure. He made something for the public need, however badly it's been handled since. One dealing with a bad company, the soul can stay alive. Yes, Ducky, quite. One bad company, then it's just giving free burritos to the poor. Sorry, are we now wrestling for the moral high ground? What moral high ground? Well, don't talk about souls like you're fucking Irish or something. I mean, the truth may be vulgar, Aaron, but no one has yet proved otherwise. You can take a mound of dirty money and of corporate ejaculate, you can make a stage out of corruption and spunk and call that the moral high ground, and people will believe you because... Because? Because of the necessity of false idols. Crawley, she's corrupt, but she's small, quiet, unknown, patently human, so she can go. But she's just the thimble. She just took the briefcase. Denny Isaacs, however... He knows the phone calls won't come for him because... Because... Because of the wonderful things he does. Because he's too far away. Yes. He's removed from our pit of anger. Yes. And we have to keep him there. Yes. I mean, they gave a Nobel Peace Prize to F.W. de Klerk. <sighs> I don't know who that is. No? Last Prime Minister of South Africa in the apartheid, and you don't even know who that is. Shimon Perez, you know him? No, I don't know him. He won the Nobel Prize in the year of our birth, but you don't know him. No, I don't know him. He could be fucking anyone to you. Have a guess what Shimon Perez did. Oh, he was a lovable milkman. A lovable milkman? Mm, yeah. Come off it. Mm, Shimon Perez, a lovable milkman. Come off it, you're having me on. Shimon Perez, lovable milkman, always whistling a tune. And F.W. de Klerk? Uh, one of the great saxophonists of his day. No! Mm, played with the best. You're insane! No, he was insane. Such skills with his fingers. F.W. de Klerk, a Nobel Peace Prize for fingering. Mm, that's how I remember it. You're nuts, you are. I know, I'm a card. Real nuts. Mm, you ever won a prize for fingering? Is that appropriate? Is it fuck? They all came to speak at the Union. Before my time, but we had pictures of them in black and white. Sitting in these big leather armchairs, sitting very comfortably. Very comfortably indeed. You know the first bricks of that place were laid down in the 13th century, at the turn of the century, with permission from the Pope. All that strange, gorgeous history, you really feel it. We would sit, my avuncular friend and I, in these wooden panelled rooms with high ceilings, and we would play propositions. Propositions. Propositions, fake debates. We'd give each other a dubious moral claim to argue and have it out over wine and cheese. Show me. Show you? Give me an example. All right. Well, if we were to go on tonight's conversation, you'd have to argue why I love scrambled eggs and dill. Because I lost my tongue in a fire. The response of which would lose you a point. Pith gets you nowhere. You know, I've been thinking. What? About Cruella de Vil. What? Mm, you know Yes, I know her. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I always used to think she was this old witch who hated animals, but it just dawned on me. She's... What? She's just a socialite. You know, someone who really likes looking good in fur. Is that funny? Like, she could turn me. I mean, I find her very sexy. She could turn me. Cruella could turn you. Mm, Glenn Close could turn me. I'd leave Mike for Glenn Close. That could be my proposition. She's a handsome woman. She's a very handsome woman. Yeah, what is the relevance of any of this? Oh, nothing. Sorry, get on with your game. What are her guys called again? What guys? 
The guys who steal the puppies. Oh, uh, yeah, the tall one and the short one. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, like Daryl and Eggplant or something? Daryl and Eggplant? Yeah, something like that. Or uh, Hitch and Beaver. Barrel and Pike. Yeah, I think that's it. Barrel and Pike. Or maybe Barrel and Beaver. Mm, or Hitch and Pike? No, no, no. They're the cops, aren't they? Are they? Yeah, Hitch and Pike, armed and dangerous. Mm, yeah, maybe. Aaron and I could play Hitch and Pike. Yeah. We could book under that name for the plane to Texas. Yeah, but only one seat's available. Then I'll sit on your lap. You'll probably enjoy the flight more. Where were we? Propositions. Propositions. Apparently, I've been docked points, so I'm on negative one. Negative four. Attempts at wit get marked down heavily. No wonder you're such a champion of the game. Wait your turn, ducky. I should have my turn again. The rules had not been properly explained. You have to pitch the statement to us as if you mean it. Well, give me something meatier than eggs and dill. You have to really sell it to us, Joe. Really convince us that you mean it. Then what's my proposition? It has to be something that you would actively find difficult to argue. I understand the premise. Well, then I shan't hold back. What am I dealing with? Why I want to fuck Brett Kavanagh. Is that appropriate? No. Have you forgotten where you are? No. I haven't forgotten. Do you wish to sacrifice your turn? Don't push me. Do you reject the subject? Do you reject the natural hierarchy of the room? I reject it temporarily, but thoroughly. I'm a bit fizzed up, you see, Joe. I'm becoming anxious that Aaron may actually be a cannibal and that you might suddenly be his friend. If I'm here to antagonise, then I'll be democratic and antagonise you. I like men with faces like moulded red meat. Therefore... Uh-uh. What? That isn't the game, Joe. All right. A bit of passion is needed. Moot for me. Look at you. You're a toddler on crack. You said you were willing to take on any subject. He's been instated into high office. Whoever has his ear can shape the country. And so it goes. The way to get a man's ear is through... I don't believe a fucking word of that. Not a word. There's this phrase. Smiles are like affection in greeting cards. Easy to fake. Smiles are like blowjobs. The less teeth involved, the better. You see, I can do it too. Does the prosecution rest? The media is drawn to car crashes. People are sometimes turned on by car crashes, and so it goes. He is malleable. He is himself. And yet, also, you can see him in the face of all his defenders, all of whom claim to be speaking for the American man. So if you follow their logic, he is one of them. Thus, he is, in fact, the American man. You can imagine him wearing double denim. So he is ubiquitous in spite of his forgettable features. And visible when most of his ilk are suited better to anonymity. And so he is built to both deliver mail and decide whether Aaron and Mike's marriage is lawful. And it is that duality of the son of the nation being real and ugly and also high up and behind an oak partition that drives us insane but keeps us watching the news all the time and therefore the prosecution will pursue a different plea if I may be so bold because I cannot argue why I want to fuck Brett Kavanaugh for I and so many of us have already fucked Brett Kavanaugh and the reason for doing so eludes us so completely and so permanently because before we know it we may do it again. Are you sitting easy over there? These chairs. This wine. This place. This company. It's too much. Positively French. 
It's like having my tits sucked along the banks of the Seine. How's Crawley? She's festering. How's Zoe? Just smashing. I'm in love, Joe. For the first time I'm in love and I feel like I'm floating in the sky holding a really big balloon. We're going to get married in the desert in Utah. And we're going to force feed all the guests spinach and then consummate the whole damn thing to the music of Louis Armstrong. Mm, I'm in love too, actually. With Battleship Potemkin. I love that. And all the films of Michael Haneke. I'm a real bitch for cinema. Show me a close-up of a screaming Eastern European and I'll fill your fridge with Albarino till you can drink no more. You look tan, Joe. Have you been bathing in the Texan sun? Like fuck I have. Denny Isaacs is beckoning. Beckoning who? Beckoning a young, inquiring mind who can quietly bite his neck. I'm counting one such person. You me both. When this lousy war is over, we should get lunch, Ducky. Hmm, your place or mine? Do you like tapas? Love it. Fused with flavors of Japan. Oh, you're really spoiling me now. Then I know just the place in town. Let's go out in town. Tell you what, you buy the food, I'll get the Prosecco. You'll get the Prosecco? Yeah. You would pay for my Prosecco. Mm, a treat paired with a treat. The waiter comes, you say, let's split the bill. You get out your phone. Oh, yeah, you gotta make it precise. Precision. Precision. Yes, Topol, precision. You may as well give me a rogering on the table. Take a shit on a plate. Because I paid for the Prosecco. Because you ordered it in the first place. Wake the fuck up! There are no niceties coming, Ducky. It's just not what's done anymore. The air is now thick. With dark triumph. Oh, is that your proposition? Is that your response? Archie, the man and his music, with the air is thick with dark triumph. That isn't the game, you moron. We're doing phobias, not fears. There was once a fear that every liberal movement, every invitation of a minority into the enclave would ruin us, unseat us forever. And then you came in, and we saw that nothing changed. The enclave? Ah, oh, honestly, man, where do you pick this up? It's the graffiti on the white brick, man. This wine is petrol. One trick I've learned, when you're dining at a restaurant and they bring you the wine, you just nod. And they just pour. This. 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 This, this room, this fucking room, this fucking time, please laugh, please clap, please give, Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Are you sitting easy over there? What were we playing? Propositions. 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 Mm, the game you play when you hate yourself. It's sweeping the nation, and if I'm right, and I always am, it's reached your turn, Aaron. My time to take the podium. Moot for me, baby. Mm, have you forgotten where you are? I am where I am, and I'm happy where I stand. What about you? What about me? Can you take the claim? Well, what's the claim? Why I want to fuck Archie. Can a third party interject? Now, you mustn't be soft, Ducky. He comes from money. Is that my chief appeal? No interjections. Archie is cold, and I come from warm places. Acclimatizing to someone like him takes a shock, and such a shock leaves me dazed, and in that daze, he's almost attractive. <laughs> Bullshit. You fluffed the line, old boy. Variety is the spice of life. No fucking aphorisms. Are your shoulders hunched? And? And it's off-putting. You look like you're constipated all the time. Look at me. 
Look at me. Do you think I'm ever troubled by my bowels? Try and make it look as if you're not scared someone's going to grab your shoulders. Well, you know, when you move from a poorer place to a richer place, you get very used to the fear that someone might just be about to tap you on the shoulder. It's not about entitlement. It always is. It's not just about entitlement. But people can sniff out pretenders like pigs with truffles. So if that's the fate of pretenders, then what's the course for the likes of me? That's not for me to say. There are certain places, darling one, where certain people just belong. Or so you say. Also, I know because I've been to them and no one ever stops me at the door. Do I still have the motion? If you're prepared to argue it properly, then yes. I'll tell you, Joanna. Just between us. The reason I'd fuck Archie is because he thinks he'd enjoy fucking me more than I'd enjoy fucking him. But the truth is, he'd bleed and I wouldn't. Jesus. Yeah. Sorry, no, no, I mean, what I said before about the Echo March, they've, well, they've crossed the bridge. What? Yeah, they're, they're heading across to, um... Maybe they're joining Zoe and her lot. Maybe. You think so? There'll be such a mess of signs. No one will know what the march is for. No, I'm sure they'll puzzle it out. They may be walking past this very house. We could invite them in. Offer them some wine. We should get them revved up, don't you think? Make them angry. Make them angrier. Get them to enact something more baroque on old Denny Isaac. Oh, it's not just a fucking echo march. Granted. Fine. It's... Whatever. It's the notion, isn't it? That the corporations neglect the worker. Fine. That's what they're going after. But I mean, what about Dr. Tar and Dr. Feather? Best not to dwell. No one's afraid anymore, Joe. Fifty years ago, right? No one ate brunch or committed adultery. Now that's just like a day for some people. Cappuccino, Eggs Benedict, affair with neighbour. Sometimes not even in that order. Best not to dwell. On what? The moral struggle. Yeah, but it's not mine. Giving a shit isn't my field, but all the people who care about anything have no charge to them. People need to throw out repentance. Throw out repentance and get dirty. Aaron? Yeah? You have the motion? I agree. You do? No, I'm all over it. I'm with the guy. And how do you feel about muckraking? Muckraking? Ah, oh, kid stuff. Ask me how I feel about legality. Oh, fuck off, gunslinger. So, Aaron, I take you into a warehouse. I point you at an Echo employee who's causing no small amount of pain for Danny Isaacs, and I tell you to grab them by the collars and make them afraid. What do you do? I tell them that we keep them and their family in a state of complete bankruptcy, entangled in all manner of legal difficulties for the rest of their lives until they go mad and hungry and blind, and I tell them, quite assuredly, that their best bet is to shut the fuck up and be grateful and be afraid. Bollocks! All trousers! Mm, the greatest affair of all is morality and pain. It's like you said, Joanna, when you're walking down the corridors of power, you find that the walls are made of glass. You simply can't unsee it. You chose to be there, and that's your own suicide. This wine. You know, wine makes up only 16% of the world's total alcohol consumption, but makes up 27% of alcohol's emission share. It makes people depressed, violent, and fat. If the human race was the collective people want it to be, we'd have chucked wine, liquor, all that shit, chuck coke as well. Did you know the devastation caused by a line of coke, Archie? You're a queer fellow. That has a double meaning. Yes, it does. I love it when that happens. It's like... Bet you thought that sentence had one meaning. Try taking it away, though. Try taking away everyone's wine. 
then you'd see the proper riots. It's that toss-up. Save the world, or enjoy your time on it. Joe, I'm at a loss. What's wrong, Archie? I've, I've come unstuck. Do you want to withdraw? Where were we? Denny Isaacs, private plane, stakes. Fuck. Denny Isaacs, private plane, stakes. Yes. That's where we were. Yes. Are you now unstuck? Yes, fine. Denny Isaacs, Daddy Isaacs, Echo, dead workers, pedophile higher-ups, uh, private plane, stakes. Crawley put to seed. And then what? Aaron isn't suited. Is that a proposition? Proposition! Proposition! Is it? You've yet to have your turn. I have a query. Yeah? About your old days of Hollywood. It really was nothing more than an overnight trip. Casting. Yeah? I, I know a guy, friend from school. He was doing the rounds a couple of years ago and he had an audition. Quite a high profile one, a Spanish director migrating across the Atlantic, first English language film, you know the drill? We went mad for those guys. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, so, so my friend gets into the audition and starts to read his lines and the director stops him and says he's reading the wrong part for the screen test. And instead of letting my friend practice the other part, because he's been going over these lines for weeks, you know, before the screen test, the director just looks at his watch and says, please read the other one. Now, that has to be deliberate, right? Completely. It's just a little trick. You want something to get them a bit looser. I thought so. It's only sprung on the ingenues, though. It's good to see how they work. Is your friend still in the business? No. He had a breakdown. He's back across the pond now. A lot of people balk under that kind of pressure. Did you balk, Joe? I never balk. Do you? Where were we? Denny Isaacs, Private Plains, Stake. Fuck. Or are you still unstuck? Aaron, dear boy, since you argued the case so wonderfully, let's fucking do it. Come on. Come here and kiss me. Violently on the lips. How violently? Teeth should suck on flesh. I thought we were playing with far-fetched propositions, unless... Brett Kavanagh is coming round. Unfortunately, he's married. Yeah, likewise. I can't just slip my tongue in. Mm, you're not my type. Bollocks, I'm everyone's type. Mm, what about poor old Zoe? What's one more infidelity in this cruel world? Uh, I'll tell you, my ring certainly feels quite heavy at this moment. Slip it off then, ducky. Or, if your conscience is a barricade, bring Mike over and I'll find a way to rub him the right way. It's not just the Gilda thing that's holding you back, as you well know. So no kiss? Nope. Not even a pet? No. I thought you tight boys doled it out to whoever was interested. Then try and kiss me and see what I'd do. Nah. <laughs> think you've fluffed the line, old boy. I think you'd kiss me, though, Aaron. If she asked you to. I have limits. No. No, you see, I don't think you do. I think you'd kiss me if Joe told you to. What do you make of that? I'm waiting for him to expand on the proposition. Good man. He is a good man, isn't he? So clean, so put together in his lovely little suit, like on his first day of big school. There's so much to you, isn't there, Aaron? So much to you that is bleak. Bleaker than anything you'd find inside of me. There is so much in you that you have chosen to leave unexplained and unexplored. I'll bet that you look at Mike like you loathe him sometimes. I'll fucking bet on it. I'll bet you hate Mike sometimes, and hate that you love him sometimes. I'll bet you hate this room now, and us, and everything in it, but you don't want to leave it either. I'll bet you're gunning to take the private plane, and the stake, and the big small talk with Denny Isaacs, not for the money, but because you'll be taking my seat. 
I'll bet, I'll bet with all I'm carrying that you'll fucking kiss me, even if you find me pungent. Because it'll make you look bigger than me, I'll bet on it. Aaron? farting at you, but this guy is fucking nuts, right? He's not safe for human interaction. Sit down, Aaron. Take a seat. Do you like tapas, Aaron? Uh, I prefer the cultivated cuisine of the Danes and the Nordics. They do very technical things with vegetables. Fuck. All over a bit of silly fun. I'm sorry for causing a commotion in your darling living room. Not at all. You like my living room? I want it. I want this to be mine. Gently does it. I have two things that I want to impart to you. Both hand-me-downs, brief aphorisms given to me by Crawley. Firstly, if you're ever hounded or called a monster, just tell him you're welcome for the coffee. It's a joke of hers. Like the fella said, our world is now synthetic, inauthentic. Owned by five guys who all play at the same golf club. But the cappuccinos are delicious. Secondly, never look down. It will only make you sick. You're giving me the advice of a person who's now clinging to life in a hospital bed. Then allow me to offer you one more lesson. A lesson of my own. I learned it the hard way. Keep Wanting things. Even if the wanting is all you have, keep wanting better coffee, bigger living rooms, nicer wine. Eat at restaurants where the bread is worth the lottery winnings. Fuck with your ideas of what enough is. Trust me on that one. I trust you. You do? No. Not really. Good. That never matters. Turn off the background noise. Listen to me very carefully. Answer me without hesitation. Are you sitting easy over there? Do you know something, Joe? I think I am. Recital was written by Tom George Hammond. Directed, produced, and designed by Ross Graham. It featured Will Taylor as Aaron, Hannah Bristow as Joanna, and Sebastian D'Souza as Archie. He said he never wanted to be.